Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow! Did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com/acast and use code acast for twenty percent off your first purchase. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com/weightloss. That's plushcare.com/weightloss. The official sponsor of the Can We Please Talk podcast is Fresh Roasted Coffee. Let's get you some great tasting coffee to help you start your day off right. Whether you're shopping for coffees, teas, syrups, mixes, mugs, gift cards, and more, when you get to checkout, enter in the promo code CANWEGET20 to get 20% off your first purchase of the delicious coffee that helps Nick and I get through these episodes. Head to our sponsors at FreshRoastedCoffee.com today. Hey, everybody. Welcome into an all-new episode of the Can We Please Talk podcast. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. On the program today, time to throw your hat in the ring for President of the United States, Nicholas. Uh, why not? Everybody else is doing it. Former South Carolina Governor and UN Ambassador Nikki Haley jumped into the water this week as she announced her run for President of the United States in 2024. Nick and I, with a breakdown of her announcement speech, we're going to go through it item by item, Nick, because there's a bunch of different things there. To contradict uh, themselves. Plus, later on in the program, our buddy Pentagon correspondent over at Reuters, Idris Ali, joins us to help break down the latest with respect to the UFOs flying all around us. What the Pentagon is saying now about these objects, plus the Chinese spy balloon from a few weeks back. And we're going to look as well at the latest happening on the war in Ukraine. Idris, in our second segment, uh, some quick housekeeping notes. You can head over to LeonMediaNetwork.com. Check out our site where you can not only get more content from this show, but other great shows currently on LMN, such as Back Your Play with our buddy and sportscaster Rich Quinones. This week, Rich welcomes on the show NFL writer Lloyd Vance and two-time NFL Super Bowl champion Brandon Jacobs. They recap the Super Bowl, the highs, the lows, plus a look at the 2023 NFL season favorites. Check out Back Your Play, available on LeonMediaNetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts and follow our buddy Rich over on IG and Twitter and check out his YouTube channel over at Rich Q on Q. Rich does a great job. I was listening to the episode earlier uh, with Lloyd Vance. Lloyd's, Lloyd's a really longtime NFL writer and a uh, good breakdown there because think about the game. Uh, neither uh, you and I have a dog in the fight in that game. So it was a really good breakdown to listen to Rich and, and Lloyd on that stuff. Um, again, as we are about to tape this program, um, literally, as we are about to tape this program, another mass shooting has happened in this country. Uh, I don't want to really go into depth on this one because details are still coming out. So as of this recording, uh, things may change, but a few people have been injured and one person has died at a shooting in El Paso, Texas. And the reason I got notified of this our friend Olivia Troy, former advisor to Vice President Pence and a CNN uh, analyst, she 
posted something about her aunt being trapped at the mall right now and hiding out while police were looking for the suspect. There is, again, somebody that was taken into custody. Not sure if it's the actual person that committed the shooting. Again, this is all as of this taping. I don't want to wander into the depths of this, but Nick, as you and I are recording yet again, another episode, it seems like I can't tell you how many times in a row this has happened to us, but another shooting in this country. And it's the usual, man. It's the usual. We can't even get past the Michigan state shooting, which uh, by the way, I heard representative, I forget her name that represents the Lansing, the East Lansing district there. Um, she said there are people from Oxford, Michigan, just a year ago from that shooting that are students at Michigan State University having to deal with another shooting in their town. Just think about that. Just think about that. And now here we are, you and I recording again, and another mass shooting has happened in this country, man. Um, I want to say hello to you, though, first, uh, first and foremost, because uh, you and I have not spoken on camera in a few days. How is everything going other than the news playing out? You texted me after this recent shooting, especially because, you know, this one's a little bit personal because of of our, our friendship with Olivia. And I texted her to, to, you know, I mean, what could I text her, right? Like, I hope everything is okay with your aunt and, you know, let us know what happens. Um, but I say hello to you. And how's everything else going besides um, all of this craziness happening in the world? You texted me. I hate it here. And, and, you know, there's part of, there's parts of that, that, that are right. I, you know, I don't, I don't know what it would be like to live in Belgium right now, but I got to tell you, I haven't seen any Belgium uh, mass shootings in, in the news lately. Uh, so how are you doing my friend? Yeah, I gave a, I mean, I gave, I mean, in that moment we were texting about Olivia and what's going on uh, with that situation. Yeah, I had moments like that um, in between Michigan state, the shooting that we just heard about Um you know, as a country, we continue to fail to do the right thing in this. And eventually you just wonder about, is this country ever going to get it right? Um, I don't think our generation seems to be able to. Uh, I have hoped that perhaps millennials, Gen Z, you know, um, who certainly stepped up in the 2022 midterm election, may be able to, to help us do the right thing and steer us in the direction we need to. You know, the other day, what I've been hearing a lot about in terms of these mass shootings is these concepts of anniversaries and overlap. Uh, two days ago, I think it was the five-year anniversary, which I can't believe was five years ago, of uh, the mass shooting at uh, Marjorie, St- uh, Marjorie Stoneman High School in, um, in Florida. Yeah, uh, thank you. In Parkland. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, five years just flew by, but I remember where I was that day. I was actually going to a school that I was coaching in, and I sat in the parking lot for a few minutes as I heard this story, uh, and I was just hesitant to go into a school. You know, I just I, I just need a moment to kind of compose myself and just recognize a place I've spent a, a fair amount of my professional life continues to be under attack. But you know, as we talk about that anniversary, you know, we have a mass shooting, and then what you'll what you'll hear in these moments as well. You know, on the anniversary of X mass shooting, here comes another one, and it just started to dawn on me that. If I looked at all 365 days in a calendar year, at some point, there's going to be a mass shooting almost on every day of the year, right? And, and you'll be able to make that argument on any random day. Oh, this, all, this also happens to be the anniversary of X mass shooting, which is very telling about our country. The other part I think about is this concept of overlap. You know, students who have gone to one school where there was a mass shooting now at another school where there's a mass shooting, or they've just gone to another public place. We're in a place now where people, this is becoming like final destination for anyone who remembers that movie. You constantly just keep rightfully panicking. Like, is it your turn? Because where are we safe in this country? Certainly not movie theaters. We all remember Aurora, certainly not schools, certainly not in churches. So where places of business? Nope. Hospitals, try again. Nowhere is safe in this country. And despite the vast majority of people in this country who want something done about this, we have members in Congress that are deadlocked. And with currently both political parties occupying the other sides of the of the houses of government, we still won't see anything happen. And it's it's just an absolute embarrassment. Mike, I think we just continue to get more and more jaded about mass shootings. Not jaded, sorry. It's not the word I mean. 
more and more resigned. You just talked about an incident going on right now. It'll probably get, you know, covered rightfully, but is there going to be that same level of panic and national outrage as there was um, at that ma- at the shooting at the school in Connecticut? No. In oh. Littleton, Colorado? No. It's becoming part of our daily existence as Americans. And that's the part we should step back and say, what the hell is going on? You know, um, as you were saying all that, I started to think about, you know, incidents of police brutality. You know, obviously we saw with Tyree Nichols, there was another recent one of a person, and this one flew under the radar, tased in Raleigh, North Carolina, that ended up dying as he's telling police, I have a medical condition, please don't tase me. And he died on the scene. He was non-responsive as they took him to the hospital and he died. And again, police were doing random searches in this parking lot area where they ha- he happened to be in his vehicle, not doing anything, not committing any type of crime, nothing on him or anything like that. And this story is probably the first time people that are listening to us have heard about that. And I think about uh, the, the parallels there of like how we've become desensitized to uh, killings like this that have happened to black and brown in this country. The same is uh, true for mass shootings now in this country. I think you used the perfect word. It's it truly is resigned. Right. And in both instances, we've had um, blockades, for lack of a better term, uh, as to legislation that could potentially quell some of this or at least, you know, uh, give training to police officers or take certain police officers off the force or or and, and in the instance, obviously, of mass shooting, change out some of the federal laws of like what's allowed from a capacity standpoint, the age limits. But again, you got to go through the states. Uh, you've got cases going before the Supreme Court of different states saying, hey, you know what? We want to be able to carry at whatever age here in this in this Missouri just recently posted something or, or changed something within the state legislature to to re, um, to have now open carry with no permits, uh, which was something that Texas did uh, last year, if you recall. So we keep doing this on this show where we just continue to come on here. We continue to illuminate the problem. We probably, we probably have people on from the area or folks in law enforcement that are covering this stuff. And it's falling on deaf ears. It truly feels like in my quest, and I know your quest as well, I'll speak for you on this, like in our quest to inform and educate, we also want to call to action. We want to be able to invoke some type of change, solve something, right? We we always post links to different ways you can donate or different things you can do to be a more informed citizen, call your local representative and this and that. Um, But it just seems like we're going in circles, man. It just seems like nothing is getting solved from this. And I want to transition it into our first segment because it feeds in perfectly into somebody running for president that is running on a platform that it's time to change things. It's time to get better, right? Uh, I was watching this uh, Nikki Haley announcement speech. And if you don't know about Nikki Haley, you can go to NikkiHaley.com as she announced her run for president in 2024. And her campaign slogan right now is strong and proud. And some of the things that she talked about in this speech are a bunch of the things that we've kind of touched on right now, just in this first segment alone, Uh, not only with respect to the government and shooting down objects, but now obviously instances that we've seen of mass shootings, she touched on it very little, but the subject of racism and how America is not racist. Nick, I want to play a little bit of the speech for you. We'll get your reaction on the opposite side. But before I play the speech, because this is part of the montage, Nick. It's time to get pumped up. You ready to get pumped up, Nip, for Nikki Haley? Take a listen to this. Wow, this is fantastic. Thank you so much. It's a great day in South Carolina. I'm so glad to be with the people I love, in the state I love, to talk about saving the country I love. Ready to move past the stale ideas and faded names of the past. And we are more than ready for a new generation to lead us into the future. Right now in the greatest country in human history, we have too many families paying too much for groceries. 
Too many mothers searching frantically for baby formula, and too many children who are so far behind in the classroom, they may never get ahead. We have too many small businesses who can't afford rent, and too many big businesses getting taxpayer bailouts. We have too much crime on our streets, too many drugs flooding our cities, and too few police and border patrol. We must stop socialism before it's too late. It's weakening America from within. But there's something else that's eating away at our national core. On Biden and Harris's watch, a self-loathing has swept our country. It's in the classroom, the boardroom, and the back rooms of government. Every day we're told America is flawed, rotten, and full of hate. Joe and Kamala even say America's racist. Nothing could be further from the truth. A bunch of things there to get into um, before we get our takes on this. She also, obviously, she talked about denouncing Democrats for pushing socialism. She touched on another buzzword, wokeism in school. She talked about how she's the proud daughter of Indian immigrants. Nick, placating to your voting sensitivities there uh, when it comes up time for the general election. Uh, for the people watching on YouTube, Nick just put out his middle finger on that part. Uh, so the people on the audio podcast, you'll get to hear why I'm laughing. Um, obviously, there's a bunch to get to with Nikki Haley. Uh, she worked in the Trump administration up until about 2018. She's a former U.N. ambassador. She was a governor uh, of South Carolina. Um, and President Donald Trump, obviously, former president, excuse me, Donald Trump, released a statement, you know, kind of saying on his true social account, like he welcomes her in, but she's polling at 1%. So nowhere to go but up. Uh, it was pretty funny what he ended up saying there about her. All right, Nick, uh, besides Survivor potentially suing Nikki Haley for that intro song, but we thank her for pumping us up into this segment, especially after what we just came into with the mass shootings, uh, talking about that stuff. What do you make of Nikki Haley throwing her hat into the GOP ring right here? We all expect Ron DeSantis in the coming months is going to announce something uh, with respect to running for president. And obviously you still have former president Donald Trump. We don't know on the democratic side, obviously besides president Biden, if anybody else will throw their name into the ring, but what do you make of, of her candidacy and, and her overall profile uh, with respect to, like I mentioned, placating to that minority part. I grew up as a son, as, excuse me, as a daughter of immigrants and how do you think that that's going to play out with the national audience? Well, first, let's let's just examine the politics for a moment you know, from a strategy standpoint. It's a brilliant move on her part. You know, up until now, the only person who's really been openly vocal or been vocal about running for president for the Republicans is, is Donald Trump. You know, he has through his social media outlet talked about you know, getting ready to run for run in 2024. I don't know if he's officially announced it in the way she has, but he's done everything short of saying he's running. So he put his name out there. You know, secondly was Ron DeSantis, who has done everything short of announcing. And what Haley did is brilliant because now she puts her name out there. Now, while inevitably you put a target on your back, because the longer you stay in this race, the more Trump will turn on you. Go look at what he's been saying about Ron DeSantis. But she's now put her name out there. You know, she's the only woman to to run for the geo for the GOP's um you know nominee. So you know she's finding a way to to come to you know um step out on her own. So I I commend her for that. Um like a lot of Republican talking points, uh I find flaws in um what she shares and and I'll share some with you and our audience. First, um the greatest country in the history of the world. Okay, let's define history of the world for a minute, because the idea of countries and nations has not been in existence that long. Uh, the United States has only been around has been around for a little less than three hundred years. Um, are we better than Rome? I, I don't know. Um, the Greeks seem to have it going on. Uh, the Egyptians were quite successful. Um, the Indians that she likes to claim heritage of. Uh, we've done some pretty impressive stuff between inventing the concept of zero, algebra, and plumbing. Um, none of which were nations, kingdoms, yes, nations, not so much. 
So I don't know when she says in the history of the world, what the hell she's talking about. But that's always been the Republican talking point uh, for as long as I can remember. Uh, let's just go ahead and blindly say we're the greatest country in the world. Wow, we've had more mass shootings than we've had actually days on the calendar in this country. Um, I'll just go out on a limb and say until we do something about mass shootings, I don't ever consider us the greatest country in the world. I don't think there is one on this planet, um, but it's embarrassing to say things like that. A, when you're the governor of a state where you had nine people going to church murdered by a racist, how do you consider yourself great at that moment? Um, students fall behind. Suddenly, Nikki Haley is an education expert. A little education rant here. The concept of students, quote unquote, falling behind is often measured by assessments that are deeply flawed, mostly standardized tests. If you're a parent and you're worried about your child falling behind, there are many other ways to really get a meaningful understanding of how your child is performing, as opposed to what a standardized test is telling you. Uh, Nikki Haley is not an educator, and she's talking out of her ass on that one. Uh, socialism. Uh, socialism is apparently a problem. Um, we seem to be doing a real good job with capitalism right now. <laughs> We've got a massive wealth gap in this country. Um, we find repeatedly that our wealthiest Americans pay less taxes. Yes, folks, capital gains taxes are significantly less than payroll taxes, which means if you are a salaried employee, you pay more to the government than if you are simply collecting dividends. Process that for a second and then come tell me if we're great again. Um, whether or not America's racist. That's an interesting one. Uh, I'm not necessarily a fan of that concept either, of just saying blanketly America's racist. There are 330, there's 330 million people in this country. Do I feel that we just automatically fall into that category? I don't. Do I believe racism is a problem in this country? Hell yes, I do. The data point that lives in my head as maybe exhibit A of that is what you just shared, Mike, a couple episodes ago about having the talk or the talk being given to you by your father, because you're not the only one in a country where you have a shocking number of people that feel the need to sit their child down and say, you have to be careful when the police pull you over. And we know it's not the same conversation that white people have with their kids. The existence of it should tell you that race is a problem in this country. The fact that in one of the most populous cities in the country, New York City, segregation as it relates to public school education is stunning. From that alone, it's one of the most segregated cities in the country. You don't think race plays an issue in that? That's naive. It's silly. It's stupid, actually. Racism is a problem in this country. Is America defined as racist? I do not think so, because I think we have an opportunity to do better. So when you ask me my reaction to her speech, I find it overly simplistic, mostly wrong, but I give her credit and points for being one of the first people to step forward and throw her hat in the ring. You know, one of the things that I found interesting, or at least, and this kind of feeds into your Twitter battle the other day, with nobody's covering this story and then a quick Google search tells you of everybody who's covering the story. Um, I was able to go to NikkiHaley.com right now for president. And on that site is a three-minute pump-up video that could be easily be edited by myself as a former video editor and a current video editor as well for something else. Um, and it's just a bunch of fluff, right? There's no policy. I, I've mentioned this so many different times on this program. Like, where is the drop-down menu on NikkiHaley.com that tells you about things that she wants to pass legislatively about different issues and topics that she's talking about in these speeches. I'm not talking about using buzzwords and all these phrases that we know will get a clap from the audience. Where's the actual action? And then when you look into her record as South Carolina governor, again, a simple Google search and you start typing out different things that she did while she was governor of South Carolina in 2010 and got reelected in 2014. And she was in the South Carolina legislature before that. I mean, her most notable act, again, according to USA Today article that I was able to find about this was in 2015 when she signed a bill to order the removal of the Confederate flag after that killing, like you mentioned, at the Emanuel AME Church by a confirmed white supremacist. And she talked about removing the Confederate flag from the Capitol grounds. And that's great. And you and I agree with that. What else? What else have, do you have for me? 
what else are you promising to me? And I think that those are some of the things that not only were missing from that speech, she obviously got into a little bit of, of term limits uh, with respect to people over the age of 75, something you and I agree on. Uh, I would lower that a little bit uh, more uh, for people that are running for office. But we're seeing that right now play out on the Democratic side with Dianne Feinstein. And we're seeing it, obviously, with everybody hating on Joe Biden and his age yet the person that they support is just three years younger. So well, we leave it there, uh, when we come back after the break, uh, Adris Ali, again, Pentagon correspondent over at Reuters, is going to join us to break down everything. Look up in the sky, folks. Everything that's been happening up in the sky over the last couple of days, if you've seen articles about unidentified flying objects being shot down by our military airplanes, notifying air traffic control of objects that they're seeing cruising at altitudes where they are, all of this stuff broken down by our buddy Idris Ali in the next segment when we come back after the break. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Your website should be a marketing asset, not an engineering challenge. Empowering everyone from independent designers to whole marketing teams, Webflow combines the power of HTML, CSS, and JavaScript and places them all in a completely visual canvas. Trusted by companies like Lattice and Discord, it changes the way marketers, designers, and engineers create for the web. Now you can build the site you want without the dev time. Start building for free at webflow.com. This episode is brought to you by KitCaster. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. How do funded startup founders attract prospects and talent? Podcast interviews. How do entrepreneurs with exits find new deals? Podcast interviews. How do C-suite execs differentiate in crowded markets? Podcast interviews. KitCaster books you on top podcasts. Click the link in the show notes for a special offer. Celebrate good conversation. Nick, today's episode is presented as always by our friends over at Fresh Roasted Coffee. Since 2009, their passion has always been bringing you gourmet coffees from all over the world, roasted fresh to order. I got my coffee snob here, Nick Saveri. Nick, tell these people, coffee snob it up here. Tell these people why Fresh Roasted Coffee is so good and why they're the official sponsor of Can We Please Talk? You know, often the best cup of coffee that you're ever going to have is the one you can you can make from home, and you need good quality coffee to do that. And that's what Fresh Roasted Coffee offers. You know, between single origin, between blends, flavors, anything on the coffee spectrum they've got. But more importantly, and I can't stress this enough, often when you purchase coffee, you don't know where to start. I mean, there's so many different varieties, so many different opportunities, so many different things you could choose from. And Fresh Roasted Coffee just gives you a very simple questionnaire and just says, hey. Figure out what your cup, what your coffee cup is. Figure out what blend works for you. I've gotten some single origin recommendations, so is Mike, and that's influenced everything. And what they recommend, you can get in a Keurig cup, the way Mike takes it. You can take it in the way I do it, which is typically through a French press, or you can get it for a percolator. Whatever coffee machine you've got, 
they've got you covered. But more importantly, just a huge variety and a way to learn more about coffee itself. No, that's very well said. And all of this is available at FreshRoastedCoffee.com on their site. One cup is all it takes to fall in love with Fresh Roasted Coffee. But you get a discount for being a listener of Can We Please Talk. All you got to do is enter in the promo code CANWEGET20 at checkout to get 20% off your first purchase. Head to FreshRoastedCoffee.com today. All right, our buddy Idris Ali is back on the program with us. He's a fantastic Reuters Pentagon correspondent. Idris, Mike, and Nick, thank you so much for hopping back on the podcast with us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Idris, um, I saw somebody write on the comments to you in social media about these. This is a story you were born to cover, and I'm so glad that you're able to join us here. But we've got like five of these stories, Idris. So you got to cover a bunch of these. I would love for you. In our last episode, we talked a little bit about high level, the different incidents you know, obviously with February 4th and the Chinese spy balloon, and now obviously the 10th, 11th, and 12th, and these unidentified flying objects that have been shot down by the U.S. government. Can you take our audience in the 30,000 foot uh, overview here? Uh, be careful for objects flying around, um, but can you tell, break it down and tell us a little bit about each of these and what you're hearing from the U.S. government as to why these objects were shot down? Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for having me. Um, just broad overview. Um, since 9-11, the U.S. has essentially said our main priority is to protect the homeland. Um, and since then, there has not really been an attack uh, on the homeland from the air, right? Um, the U.S. hasn't had to use fighter jets in any instance. It hasn't had to fire air-to-air missiles. It, since February 4th, the U.S. military has shot down four objects. It has fired at least five Sidewinder missiles. Um, that are used to, you know, for air-to-air combat. Um, and the only other time an F-22 had had, uh, or a U.S. jet had had an air kill was in Syria, you know, many years ago. And then you have to go back decades. So to just put that in context, in the past, four, you know, two weeks, we've seen more military action for the Pentagon over North America than, you know, decades combined during war even. Um, and so the first one that really came to attention was the Chinese spy balloon that you mentioned. Um, and that was very obvious. People in Montana could see it. Um, and the Pentagon publicly spoke about publicly spoke about it. And then we saw it traverse, you know, the, the length of the United States from Montana um, down to South Carolina, and it was shot off the coast. You know, it's very interesting. We kind of expected it to be over a one-off incident. And then a couple of days later, as things were dying down, we hear that, you know, the Pentagon had shot down another object over Alaska. And this was a a bit different because um, it was defined as something that was much smaller in size than the Chinese balloon. The Chinese balloon was the size of three um, school buses, the payload, just the payload. Um, and it was 200 feet tall. The object that was shot down in Alaska, so the first object, because the first one was the Chinese balloon, the first unidentified object or UFO really, um, was the size of a small car. And it was shot down over Alaska. And, you know, you're like, all right, well, there's probably something stray that's, you know, been caught up in all of this. And that's pretty much it. You know, the next day is a Saturday now. um, And, world so you know asking questions okay what was the object that was shot down on friday and they're like you know we don't know much but you should stay tuned most of us thought they were talking about the object shot down the day before turns out the canadians had um noticed that there was an object over their yukon territories which are you know basically northern canada sub-zero what you really think of as you know the far north And they had noticed an object. The Prime Minister of Canada, Justin Trudeau, um, determined it was a threat. And that too was shot down um, by American jets, one American jet. So now we're at three objects that have been shot down and people are sort of confused. Okay, is this gonna be a daily thing? And sure enough, on Sunday, um, I believe February the 12th, the fourth, object, um, third non-balloon object, um, is shot down 
uh, around, you know, it was at the 20,000 feet um, altitude, which is interesting because most commercial airliners uh, use 40,000 feet as sort of cruising altitude. So people were a bit confused. What's really the threat here? Anyway, that is shot down. Um, again, this, this one pops up over uh, Michigan. And that is shot down um, by another US jet, F-16 in this case. And um, you know, we'll probably talk about this later, but it took two missiles to shoot this down because one of them missed. So to sort of bring it together, each one of these was a high-flying object. Each one of these, according to the military, could have posed a threat and so was shot down. But each incident was different in terms of the altitude, the location, and the other thing that's similar is, other than the Chinese balloon, no remnants have been um, found for any of these because they're in such remote territories. So that's sort of uh, bringing you up to speed on you know, each incident, um, broadly speaking. Drews, from what we know so far, has there been any similarities between the technologies of the of the four uh, unidentified objects that have been, that have been uh, shot down? Yeah, that's a good question. And I think it is helpful, at least it has been helpful for me to make two buckets of this. One bucket is the Chinese balloon. And the next bucket is these three objects, which um, no one's calling balloons, but you know, they, 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 they might be balloons. So with the Chinese uh, balloon, that's what we know the most about. And that is actually pretty interesting because we have been told from sources that it is no doubt a surveillance balloon. It has I wouldn't say sophisticated, because sophisticated would be satellites, but pretty decent um, level of um, communication, essentially grabbing equipment in terms of, you know, if there's a cell phone tower, this balloon was capable of sucking up information um, from that. So, if, you know, potentially you were using your phone and you were in the radius of the balloon, you potentially could have had your information or metadata or something um, scooped up by that. Um, the other interesting thing is that it was uh, able to basically move, not with the jet stream or wind, but it had some sort of propulsion system. So it was capable of physically being able to maneuver, which is, um, you know, not something you I would normally think of in a balloon. Um, so that's the Chinese balloon, and again, fairly sophisticated as far as balloons go. Um, the other ones we actually don't know much about, but what we do know is they don't appear to be able to propel themselves. And so they might be at the mercy of jet streams, winds, all the weather. Um, they don't appear to have any major surveillance equipment. Um, the object that was shot down on Sunday, they said, you know, it flew over some potentially sensitive sites and had the potential to carry out some sort of um, snooping, but we just haven't seen any actual evidence that there's equipment that was in there. Idris, I, I want to get on the first one a little bit because I saw something earlier today uh, on the lead with Jake Tapper, and I think CNN has been covering this a little bit about potentially that Chinese spy balloon wandered off course and maybe being pushed by strong winds, according to the U.S. intel. And I think that the second part of the question and this two-parter is really We've heard a little bit about previous balloons, one under the Biden administration, a few under the Trump administration that kind of flew under the radar. What are we making about our relationships right now with the Chinese? Uh, we've been getting a lot of comments into our inbox that people are like, oh, should we be taking these as threats more serious? But then that report today tends to suggest that this may have wandered off course and it wasn't uh, intentional on the Chinese part, hence the reaction by the Chinese saying that, you know, the U.S. shooting this down was, you know, uh, an act of war, according to them. So what do you make of uh, the balloons that weren't reported on and with respect to the newest report that this may have wandered off course? Yeah. So, so you know, you're right. There have been multiple balloons um, going back to the Trump administration. I actually think, and from everything I understand, this the U.S. wasn't going to publicize this balloon either. What made them in, in a position to have to publicize it is they declared a, essentially a no town, you know, an area where flights couldn't go um, in Montana. And that got local people very confused and asking questions. And it was gonna come out in the press. So I think they were forced in this instance to actually talk about it. They had no intention of otherwise 
talking about it and it was in the middle of America. And so people could see it. The other ones were more Hawaii and Guam. Um, your second point is interesting. So we also had a US official tell us that uh, the Chinese balloon was meant for Hawaii and Guam and essentially strayed into continental United States because of air winds. What makes me doubt it and other officials I've spoken to question this narrative is this had a very um, maneuverable propulsion system um, that was able to propel itself over pretty sensitive sites in the United States. So for the jet stream to coincidentally go over US nuclear facilities and US military sites, they're doubting that. The other thing is the balloon was able to essentially stay in place. There were like 125 mile gusts um, up at 60,000 feet. And this balloon was not moving. And their argument is it just doesn't make sense. It would have, if, if it was, you know, just straying around, it would have just gone with the wind. Instead, it, you know, loitered over some sites. So there's, I think, a, a disagreement or conflicting views within the U.S. government of what this is worth. Um, you know, the, the the reaction from the Biden administration were, very publicly was one of, um, it's actually pretty strong because they canceled a visit by Secretary of State Antony Blinken to China to protest it. But everything after that has been very muted. I think Biden in an, interesting, uh, in an interview with Telemundo said, this isn't really a big deal. Um, we haven't seen the Chinese lash out militarily because there are U.S. planes um, in the South China Sea every day, near China every day. Um, the Chinese have said, oh, they're American spy balloons over China. They haven't done anything. Um, so I think the hope for both China and the United States is, no pun intended, but this will blow over um, pretty soon. And, you know, the one interesting thing is um, these three most recent objects that were shot down, the U.S. didn't call their Chinese counterparts after any of those. They called them after the Chinese spy balloon was shot down, but they didn't make any calls after the objects were, were shot down because I do not think they believe, definitively at least, that they were Chinese. And I think that gives some sort of breathing room for this relationship. Um, Secretary of State Blinken and the Chinese foreign minister are both supposed to be at the Munich Security Conference next week. And so there are some you know, speculation that they might meet um, because I think both um, the US and China despite their huge differences, want to keep some channels of communication open in case there is a true, you know, crisis. Idris, I'm glad you mentioned just the, the, the isolation of the first, the actual balloon versus the, the objects mentioned after, because I think there has been some conflating just from what I'm seeing on social media of all of this falling under the banner of China. And that was kind of what we were getting into on Braid about uh, a potential anti-Asian sentiment from um, based on editorializing of this. Yeah, on the subject of the balloon, in terms of what we understand from a technology standpoint, what type of surveillance have we been able to identify as far as what could potentially be gleaned from a, a spy object of that height? And the word spy has been used, so we, we understand it's a surveillance. It's, it's, not, it's an object used for surveillance purposes. Yeah, so, you know, my first, um, not interaction, but, but um, introduction to spy balloons was in Kabul, um, when the US military was present there, they had, um, you know, basically had this, I don't know how many, couple hundred feet balloon, they had lofted over Kabul, and they were using the balloon to essentially carry out surveillance and spying um, and monitoring in Kabul and around Kabul um, as a security mechanism. Um, so that was my first introduction to balloons. So it's, it's something that's been obviously predated that by decades and decades and decades, but the Americans um, also use this type of technology. Now, in terms of technology and spying ability, in its most sort of raw form, it pales in comparison to satellites, right? That satellites, as high as they are, they can, you know, hypothetically, they can zoom in extraordinarily close. Um, they can suck up signals intelligence, which is, you know, cell phone conversations from a pure technological standpoint, they're far more sophisticated than uh, our understanding of balloons. The one thing that makes the balloons um, a, not beneficial, but one of the advantages of the balloon that a satellite may not have is its ability to loiter. And that is, you know, 
say over Montana, right? Uh, one of the nuclear silos is there. Uh, satellites are in high demand in the US military and intelligence community. So their ability to just stay over the site, you know, is pretty limited. Whereas a balloon, you know, there are enough of them, they're cheap. You can loft one up and you can keep it over a site of interest for days, hours, you know, however long you want. So there's a um, endurance standpoint that comes with a balloon that doesn't exist with satellites. And again, it's also relatively cheap. Um, and so you can, you know, if you want it, you could loft over dozens of balloons um, eat over each, you know, site of interest and spy on them. Whereas a satellite, you know, you might be using it for one purpose, but then it might have to be retasked to another part of the world. And there's a huge shortage of that. So the advantage is really the endurance and the low cost, even if that means it doesn't have the same level of sophistication as a um, spy satellite or human intelligence or, or other mechanisms. Idris, I want to get into the other three unidentified objects because, and obviously, you know, John Kirby and White House Press Secretary KJP had a funny exchange where she was mentioning about there are no alien life forms or extraterrestrial activity with these objects. So we're getting the absurdity of it and it's humorous. And, and I guess when everybody hears UFOs, like Nick said on the last episode, your mind kind of wanders into pop culture and, and we're all thinking Independence Day. we got to get geared up, right, Idris? Um, but what are you hearing in terms of because you mentioned about the recovery efforts for these three objects that were shot down is probably not going to net anything. I know one of them actually went to the bottom of Lake Huron, I, I believe. So we're not going to be able to potentially retrieve any information about this. When are you expecting the government to tell us a little bit more about these objects, why they were shot down, pilot information from when they were up there shooting it down. Like what more information can we get out of the mm -hmm. other three objects? And are we are we under, uh, in essence, attack uh, because of these objects and, and where they're coming into the North American airspace? Yeah, so I, I'll tell you that one at a time. Um, you know, the question of retrieval, the U.S. military still believes it can would retrieve at least some of each of the balloons. Um, what makes that extraordinarily difficult, like you said, is the weather conditions. You know, one's at the bottom of the lake, one's in Alaska over frozen uh, frozen ice, and one's in the Yukon. And these are, you know, white objects over ice. They're pretty tough. So I'm, you know, I think there's some hope in the U.S. military that they'll retrieve it and be able to figure it out, but it is a tough task. Um, the question of, like, when will we know more? This is one of those incidents where I don't think the administration or the government is trying to hide things for no other reason than it makes them look a bit incompetent and silly um, by not giving more information. I think their hope truly is, I hope they, they hope they find something and they hope they can brief people on it just so that it doesn't seem like, you know, are there aliens? Are there not aliens? What's going on? This level of mystery doesn't help them in any way. And I think they're trying their best to actually get it out for pure, purely self-interest reasons, right? Um, so I think they want to get the information out more than anyone. The question of are we under attack is a good one. And we worked on the story um, a couple of days ago. And what we figured out or what we learned is it's not necessarily that there are more balloons or more objects. But after the first balloon was found, um, the top general for North America, General Van Hurt, publicly admitted that the U.S. didn't know about the Chinese balloons that had taken place in years past until recently. So the balloons were there. The Americans didn't know. Only later when they went back and looked, they're like, oh, crap, there were, you know, four balloons in the last five years. So there was this mad scramble to go back and see, okay, what else did we miss? And so in that process, they took their sensors, you know, that are placed um, around the country that are meant to, you know, defend American and Canadian airspace. And they essentially changed the algorithms and the sensitivity level. So, you know, they'll have what they call gates. So you'll have, uh, you know, a radar which says, okay, find me everything that is traveling between zero and 500 miles an hour between 60,000 feet and 100,000 feet, right? Because that's what traditionally, I think, people expect to be an attack from the air, a plane or rocket or something like that. So what happened after the Chinese spy balloon incident was they said, okay, we are clearly missing stuff. 
let's lower those gates. So this is a hypothetical number, but they said, let's sort of going from zero to 500 miles, let's go from zero to 200 miles an hour. So you start seeing some of the smaller objects that the radars weren't picking up, or they were picking up, but you weren't seeing. And they say, instead of 60,000 to 80,000 feet, let's lower that to 20,000 to 80,000 feet. And so the parameters are broadened. And so all these things that were there that radars were seeing now become evident to the analysts. And so I think a lot of what we're seeing now is the US military looking at the data that they weren't looking at before and then being like, oh crap, this is a lot of stuff. We should go check out thing X that could be in a flight path or thing Y. And part of it, I think is political um, because there was so much criticism after the balloon not being shot down over Montana that I think there was a sense of, okay, could, is this a threat? We don't know. Could this be a threat? Maybe let's err on the side of caution and shoot it down. And so I think we're in this situation where the U.S. military is seeing more, um, the administration is being more cautious, and we saw, you know, over the weekend, three shoot-downs in three days and four shoot-downs in uh, 10 days. Idris, you just mentioned, you just mentioned that, you know, there's a level of sensitivity to what we would consider outrage or just uh, an additional level of curiosity man manifested by some news networks, mm -hmm. social media and the like from, from your stance as a reporter who's observing all this objectively, does the U S government run into some, into the potential challenges of trying to maintain protocol, disseminate information in the most organized and professional way while competing with political forces from social media and other outlets that may be spurring on a reaction that normally the government normally wouldn't take because you were just, as you were saying, you know, shooting down these, you know, these objects recently, the reaction to the balloon and the criticism uh, that they were getting about not, you know, shooting over Montana, all of that makes perfect sense. Again, none of us here are work for the government. Um, so I think there's a level of trust we need, but just from your vantage point, what is the potential of, of, public criticism, possibly influencing the way US, the U.S. engages in protocols as it relates to dealing with potential threats and spying and, and what have you. Yeah, so there's a, a good example of this that happened on Sunday. Honestly, truly, as the Super Bowl was about to begin, we got a briefing on the, the most recent objects, and it was the fourth object that was shot down. And it was an example of the U.S. military trying to, at least in the public affairs space trying to stick to protocols, but this this situation is so extraordinary. So a reporter from the New York Times asked um, General Van Herc, who's the head of NORAD, which is responsible for protecting North America as a continent. And she asked him, Hillary Cooper from the New York Times, can you rule out that the objects that are shot down are not extraterrestrial in any, any way? The correct answer was, Yes, there is nothing extraterrestrial about this. These are not aliens. The military has a protocol and a way of doing things, which is saying things are being investigated. We can't rule anything out. That is the standard answer for everything that the US military does. Again, the correct answer would have been no, there are no aliens. But the general in this press conference said, I'm not ruling anything out. And that led to you know, a lot of questions being like, well, the top general isn't ruling out aliens. Are there aliens? It led to a scramble for hours at the Pentagon and White House and a lot of like anger because, you know, he didn't mean it to say, but the protocols that were in place were, you know, necessitated, necessitated that type of answer. That's a very niche example of sort of the public affairs version of, of your question. Um, and I think we're seeing that in the military sort of space sphere as well, which is, you know, um, the question of, well, there's an object that's flying. Could it in any conceivable way pose a threat? If you were asked that question as a military, you look at 50,000 scenarios and 49,999 of those scenarios are probably, this is not a threat, but there's that one out of 50,000 where yeah, conceivably it could, you know, blow up, combust, fall, and one piece could hit a house or something. And so when you ask the question of, you know, could something go wrong, the military will 
do its analysis and usually find that, yes, yeah, something could go wrong. Um, and I think what we're seeing now, we're now on, um, this is being recorded on Wednesday, there have been four days or three days without one of those incidents of balloon being shot down. I think there's been a recognition that, you know, there is huge amounts of debris in the air that's floating around and could it be dangerous? Maybe. Is it likely to be dangerous? No. So I think we're seeing, broadly speaking, um, an underreaction initially to these objects, the Chinese spy balloon, and then an overcorrection. And now we're seeing uh, sort of normalization um, of the protocols in a, again, pretty extraordinary uh, situation. Dries, before we let you go, uh, I wanted to ask you a little bit about um, the current State of the Union uh, no pun intended there, of what's happening on the war in Ukraine. I know President Biden last week in his State of the Union speech mentioned uh, Ukraine and the ambassador uh, to the United States from Ukraine was in attendance. Um, what's the latest on what is happening on the war in Ukraine and the U.S.'s efforts uh, to help the Ukrainians? Yeah, so we're nine days away from the one-year anniversary of the war in Ukraine, and I don't think anyone, um, not just reporters but intel analysts and military officials expected that ukraine would be standing as a sovereign state and kiev would still be the capital um what we're seeing right now is essentially the winter fight um, which will slowly give way to the spring fight and we expect both countries to sort of attack each other and then counterattack each other and so what's been a relative lull in terms of um, gains by any country would probably give way to a lot of fighting in the coming weeks and when more likely months. Um, President Biden is going to go to Poland um, around the time of the anniversary um, to sort of show his support to Ukraine um, and to the region. And um, we had Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin in Brussels um, earlier this week. Um, and, and his job really is to continue to get the support from other countries um, in terms of military aid. So what we're seeing is both sides gearing up for um, some, unfortunately, bloody fighting ahead. Um, and the U.S.'s primary position right now is to try and get more aid and more weapons to the Ukrainians. We've seen them give tanks. The question now becomes, are they going to give jets? We haven't seen a move towards that. But so far, what we've seen historically is if there's something the Ukrainians want and they're very public about it, they usually end up getting Thanks so much, Idris, for joining us. You can catch all of Idris's work over on Reuters or download the Reuters app. He's a fantastic Pentagon correspondent doing a great job covering this. I mean, it's a lot of all these balloons, objects, everything flying out of the sky. Like I mentioned at the beginning of the segment, nobody better. This is a story you were meant to cover in four parts, Idris. Uh, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with us. Continue success to you, sir. Please stay safe. Good. Thanks for having me. All right. Our thank yous there to Idris Ali. Like I mentioned, download the Reuters app or you can go to Reuters.com and read some of his articles. He's been covering all of this. And particularly, you know, I asked him there towards the end about the, the war in Ukraine. He's been covering that as well. He travels a lot with the Department of Defense. So Idris does a great job. Um, again, there's a few takeaways there for me um, that I didn't know before about uh, some of the way the military you know, change some of their uh, systems and, and the ability to analyze things at a lower distance. Um, so there's some good stuff there. But like I said, check out Adrice's work over on Reuters.com or download the Reuters app for our show video. You could head over to the YouTube channel, type in Can We Please Talk Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast there, audio podcast platforms, you know by now, Apple, Spotify, Google. Shout out to everybody who listens to us over on Good Pods. Also download the Braid app. We have been partnering with this new social media app called Braid, where we create content over there exclusively for our Braid audience. Idris joined us over there to talk a little bit more about not only uh, the Chinese spy balloon, Asian anti-Asian hate sentiment with respect to some of this. So some cool stuff and other interviews that we've done on this program. We've had those folks exclusively over on Braid. So go download the Braid app in the App Store or the Google Play Store. And you can check us out and follow me and Nick over there and join the conversation with us over there. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, I can't thank each and every one of you for listening to this program, tuning in in whatever manner you tune in. We can't thank you enough. As always, I'm Mike Leon. And I'm Nick Saveri. We'll see everybody next time.
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.